45 minutes ago. It was about an hour, between an hour and 45 minutes ago. So meaning he is going to have to come and stop. So he will be managing that gap. That it, it is because his pace has dropped from a 205 that he was doing down to a 206.3. So here we go then. 30 minutes. Again, kick off and Sean Dolby leads the cars down and it looks like a decent start. Ian Erasmus already side by side and it's a three car battle going in towards turn one. Never mind. Um, but no, it's a fantastic team we've got. We love the banter, we love the um, direction we've been able to bring down and the story we've been able to tell. The fact we just did an engine change in around about 25-30 minutes all adds to the drama. Cannot wait. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Commentator's Corner. And you might recognise a familiar uh, face to my immediate right-hand side. Uh, my good friend, north of the border, just based uh, not too far outside of Dunfermline, Mr. David Christie joins us. David, how are you, buddy? I am very, very well, Alex. Thank you very much for having me on. I'm, I'm guest number five. This is awesome. <laughs> I know. I'm like the fifth most famous person you know. Well, I didn't, I didn't want to rank it in terms of how <laughs> famous people are, uh, to be completely honest with you. But, uh, as you all know, the, the premise of Commentator's Corner is to have a bit of a laugh, have a bit of a giggle, and you people get to actually know them. The people that I've worked with, uh, who I know very, very well, who do exactly what I do in terms of commentary. Uh, David is, like myself, a massive, massive petrol head. Uh, he's worked on Knock Hill uh, alongside Peter McKay and Duncan Vincent. Duncan Vincent is probably a voice you will normally hear in the World Endurance Championship pit lane, along with the likes of Louise Beckett, amongst other people. Uh, David's actually been uh, roaming around the paddock, uh, thrusting microphones into people's faces at Knock Hill in, in years past. But uh, David has commentated alongside myself with the E-Team Brit GT Challenge, You've been doing the, uh, I think it's the Race Anywhere series, isn't it, that's happening at the moment uh, around a multitude of tracks at different hours of uh, the UK time when we have to compensate for the US and everything like that. Uh, the Sim Grid is known for that as well. He's commentated, well, I've commentated with David. I think I actually made my debut with you on the Silverstone Classics where we had the likes of Jura Petruchenko and Bastian Richter literally whitewashing the rest of the field around Silverstone in some classic machinery. Uh, David is also... Uh, raced in real life he's not just an avid sim racer for the best part of over a decade and a half but last year david competed in the uh, nankang uh, brscc city car cup behind the wheel of a peugeot 107 which i now understand is up for grabs so uh, don't forget if you want to get yourself into very uh, inexpensive grassroots motorsport and you want to go into the city car cup give david a shout he's got a car there waiting prepped ready to rock and roll haven't you buddy I certainly have. There's there's absolutely a correlation between my first dive into real life racing and then having a car for sale. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I think the we'll get onto the 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 adventures of the City Car Cup with you and your 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 good fiance Gail, who's just recent recently celebrated her birthday as well. I mean, David and Gail were on their way back because we just recently commentated on the, the third round of the Simply Race Endurance Series. The six hours of road america and uh, with the cadillac dpis which was provided us with quite a few twists and twists and tails david has been working remotely in scotland and i've been at milton Keynes at simply race trying to get the insider knowledge but um david first question how did you get bitten by the motorsport bug first of all buddy oh that's a, that's a good one um it's fairly easy to answer um so i loved motorsport i i remember 
watching F1 um, in the, I, I believe it was the early 90s. That's my earliest recollection. Probably about maybe 89, 90 is where I started briefly uh, getting into Formula 1. Remember, I was only maybe about six or seven. I didn't come from a motorsport background. I didn't have really a family that was into racing. My dad would sit and watch the, uh, the, the racing with me. And really, it was just the weekends watching it on the BBC. Uh, so watching the F1, I'd watched, I loved watching the turn cars with uh, Murray Walker and for the life of me I cannot remember the Australian commentator's name who was commentating with him but I loved the banter between those two and Charlie I think Cox, that possibly that's exactly it Charlie Cox um and I loved that was what kind of hooked me it was the 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 action that they injected into it as much as the uh, the real racing uh, out on track so for me it was always in the early days it was always a four-wheel passion for uh, for motorsport and past couple of years start to get into the idea of uh, of motorbike racing as well so that's where it all started just about 89 90 and f1 but it's kind of spanned over multiple different uh, different disciplines now i mean coming on to that i was the next question i normally ask my guests because we, we now have a, a format here at commentators corner um was there any big influence within your family was there anyone in your family that particularly loved likes motorsports at the time when you started to get get the you know get the bit between your teeth so to speak um, not not massively. So obviously, a, a lot of other people that are in our world have families that are massively into motorsports. I, mine's wasn't like that. You know, my dad was, uh, you know, a, a blue collar worker, and would go away pretty much Monday to Friday and and come back from a a, a manual labour job. And mum was working in like a uh, baker's or something like that. So there was no real motorsport influence in my life, and it was just through uh, watching it on TV. And my dad would sit down and watch it at the the weekends with me when it was on. Um, but other than that, no, it was it was mainly it kind of just came from me discovering it by accident and absolutely throwing myself into it that's actually quite interesting um next up first ever race or race event that you were trackside as a fan what was because obviously knock hill racing circuit is not mm. is, is is not too far from you but what was the first event that you you went to trackside and really enjoyed that visceral feel you know you could smell the fuel you could smell the rubber uh, and you could you saw the cars actually going toe to toe around Knock Hill Racing Circuit. Well, weirdly, my first ever experience of motorsport wasn't actually at Knock Hill, believe it or not. Um, okay. I I think I was about seven or eight, um, and my family had taken me actually to Cowden Beath. Uh, they do stock car racing up mm. there. It's uh, very very big within the uh, the stock car circles. Something that I've not really gotten into uh, massively as I've I've gotten older, but that appealed to my you know that that sense where I was getting into to motor racing. I loved the action. I loved the things going wrong the crashes the 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 drama the excitement yeah that had everything that a, a wee boy wants to see um and cars just absolutely battering the hell out of each other um yeah that that had everything so i can't remember too much of it but obviously it, it would have been a very very exciting affair my first actual time up at knock hill was probably around about 2008 so i was a a late starter in terms of actually seeing motorsport in real life and that was for the british touring car channel championship mm -hmm. at uh, at Knock Hill and that instantly that experience because I was there for the entire weekend that changed everything for me because not
Knock Hill is one of the greatest circuits in terms of visiting as a spectator. Yes, the weather can be a little bit incre uh, incremental or incremental even, but the access you get to the circuit and to the cars and to the paddock and the fact you can walk around and by this point, I'd already developed my love for the BTCC and the drivers and the kind of fanboyism a little bit. And the fact you can walk in and, oh my God, there's Gordon Shedden. Oh my God, there's Jason Plato. Oh my, you know, Matt there's, there's, yeah, yeah, Tom exactly. Chilton. You're like, wow, because that was um, back, was it? Yeah, it was Tom Chilton. Sorry. Um, I'm, ju I'm just trying to think, yeah, the Tom that had the uh, the wild hair at, uh, at, it, at that it's, time. It's a far cry from the bleach blonde, spiky uh, super sign from Dragon Ball Z sort of look. Now it's a bit more reserved and a bit more um, Good old up. Well, <laughs> polished, I think. Is, I mean, I mean the yeah. thing is, it looks like it's been polished his hair yeah these days it, it's got this nice sort of like shine to it whereas some people like myself <laughs> who normally put matt clay in in our hair you know we don't like to sort of like have lights going like this and then all of a sudden it just beams off in another direction Fifteen thousand um, light sources but yeah. yeah that was that was my first experience at knock hill and i mean that that should have been a warning sign for what my life was to become for the uh, the next 15 years or so um, right now, I know the story behind this, but one of the, one of the questions is how or when when did you get involved in commentary, and how did you get involved, or was there a particular person that assisted in helping you get into commentating? Uh, it's a very very straightforward story. Um, I mean, originally when, when I was very little, uh, I wanted to be a radio DJ. Um, I would s sit together on a Sunday afternoon recording the top 40 and putting my own voice over the top of it. And so uh, that was where me speaking and me becoming comfortable speaking began. Um, it wasn't until later on, um, and I'd started doing a magazine, a blog, as it were, called Camber. That's where my brand started, Camber Magazine, um, back in, I think it was about 2016 or maybe even a little earlier than that. I can't remember now, but I was on Twitter. I was friends with Duncan Vincent and I'd messaged or I'd tweeted to Duncan asking who would need to speak to to get an interview about commentary. Now, what I actually meant by that is I was wanting to do an, a piece, uh, like a, a, an article about commentators and the very important role that I felt that they had in uh, making race events what they are. I mean, races, you can watch them, but without commentary, they I don't feel that they have the same impact. Mm -hmm. So what I wanted to do was try and piece together, because it's not very clear for people that are interested in commentating how to get started or how you go about it. And what yeah. I wanted to do was do a little article um, detailing like how he got involved and how people can get involved if that's what they want to do. However, um, he so he told me to get in touch with the um, events manager uh, or events director, rather, Stuart Gray at Knock Hill, and I did. Unfortunately, between the two of them, there was a little bit of a miscommunication, and Stuart actually thought that I wanted to try out for um, commentary, which I, I would I would absolutely, hands down, I would chew your right <laughs> arm to get an opportunity like yeah. that off. But So he, he literally got there, we had a chat and stuff like that, and, so he, and he said to me, so I hear you're interested in commentating, and I'm like, yeah, and it explains. And he handed me a microphone uh, along with um, our, our a wonderful friend of the circuit, Gary Stagg, who I, I will give a, a, an entire bit to, to Gary in just a second, but yep. handed me the microphone um, and then just said, right, 
we've got an event on today, go and have a chat to some of the drivers. Um, and I think they were expecting me to be a little bit flustered. And of course, me being me, took the microphone, headphones on, and just going having a chat to the drivers, got a spin around in a drift car. It was the most amazing afternoon of my life to that point. It was yeah. incredible. And then I uh, got asked if I'd like to come back and got taken under the wing of the incredible Gary Stagg, who was the voice of, of Knock Hill for uh, decades. Uh, he showed me the ropes in terms of the technicals and mm-hmm. got me on board there until his uh, unfortunate accident um, a, a few years ago on his, his bike, which meant him and his wife Hilda uh, basically couldn't take the the, the part of the, uh, the the commentary team at Knock Hill that they wanted to. But if it was up to Gary, I think he would still be there with us uh, every single race weekend and mm-hmm. he's very sorely missed up there at Knock Hill. Big thank you to Gary for giving this man an opportunity and, uh, yeah. and also 100%. being being a, a, a big mentor. And we'll get on to commentator commentator idols uh, in a little bit. But um, here on Commentator's Corner, this is the opportunity for me to throw the, my guest under the double-decker bus with great chagrin. Um, now, I look through social media, but this particular incident is nothing to do with social media it's to do with discord now david and i were commentating on the halfway point of the simply race endurance series round three road america dpis and i get a message of uh and this was i think it was probably towards the tail end of the broadcast and david's message and i'm going to bring the picture up now says just when you mentioned a back marker taking out the leader and the biggest thing, the biggest speech bubble on there is a favourite line that normally is blurted out from David Christie's mouth, which is, and there's contact. And then it's gone, back marker for car 42 has taken out the leader. Both cars are in the gravel, safety car out. Well, he's not going to be happy with that, ladies and gentlemen. And one of the other lines that David comes out with, which is an absolute belter, whenever I put a, a, a point across, he goes, and it's a bad one, reference an incident. You go, yeah. You just hate to see it, don't you? <laughs> I mean, just tell me about this picture because I know we talked about it briefly, but where, right, who made this happen? Was it your good lady that made this happen? Yeah, so what, what it is is um, uh, my fiance Gail has recently gotten into uh, into drawing. It's a, it's a typical case of one of those things that you're told that you're not very good at as a kid and she's re- actually realised that she, she enjoys it and she's she's actually quite good at it. And she makes these uh, these little drawings of our, our kind of like our adventures together and, and things that she, yeah, observations that, that she has. Uh, she's into our gaming and so there's lots of, of things involving that. And she surprises me with uh with that one as well and she actually drew it as a as a scrap on um a little doodle and i says that looks amazing could you make like a bigger version um and she did it and signed it and i've actually got it up framed and on my wall here and yeah for for me it's just it's it captures everything about how i how i commentate i'm i i, I was described by uh, <laughs> one of my previous employers as a excitable puppy and True. a lot of people would t- a lot of people would take that as like a, a bit of a dig, and I'm like, that's yeah, that is exactly who I am. I yeah. I am so passionate, and I get so like it, it, there's so much energy just waiting to come out there, and I think that that picture absolutely sums it up. And um, I think I think it's it's very close, isn't it? The number forty two to the uh, to the actual number. <laughs> I think 
that might have been referring to. Probably. But uh, we're not, we're not going to say any more on that one. But yeah, uh, I love it. And the thing is as well is that it's, it's for me, I look at it and it, it just reminds me exactly where I am right now in my career, in my life. And yeah, very, very happy place, Alex. You, you've got a keeper there with Gail. You certainly <laughs> have. She's a wonderful, wonderful woman. Absolute, absolute diamond. And you know, you know what? That that just goes to show that we do have lives behind what you hear from us or what you see from us. I mean, I've had the opportunity. I mean, the first the first time I met David, if I remember correctly, it was the it was like literally a three minute exchange in the uh, in in the halls of the NEC. 2018 autosport international show like literally we'd followed each other on social media mm. we're like yeah we'll, we'll hopefully get together and i and that autosport show for me was an absolute i, I think i was walking 20,000 steps a day i was absolutely i was off my i was was like dead on my feet sunday it was like oh bloody hell the man the myth the legend mr christie and then finally <laughs> we actually get to we, we actually get to have a proper chin wag when I was part of the broadcast team for, and this is, this doesn't just roll off the tongue. I, I practiced it many a time before the weekend, the district O parts distribution, Citroen C1 racing club, 24 hours of Silverstone where David was actually racing and had a massive code brand of all moments. And this is where <laughs> another funny moment comes in because it, he had a massive tank slapper through maggots, Beckett's at chat and chapel at night and then we see someone having a massive moment during qualifying at the Silverstone British Classics on SimGrid. And the first thing David said, this is bringing back memories of PTSD right about now. Um, <laughs> but then the funny thing was, is that David was not the only commentator that I actually interviewed during the race on the live stream. Mark Werrell, who's well known uh, for the NASCAR Wheel and Euro series uh, and also for circuit commentary around the country as well, was also there racing uh, as well. So that's how David and I got to really have a, a real good chat and actually properly get to know one another. And we've been best buddies ever since. Um, next up is favorite drivers. Are there any particular drivers that you hold in high esteem, people that you have followed um, as a racing fan, not as a commentator, but as a racing fan? Ooh, that's a, that's a really, really good one. Um... Yes, there there are plenty of drivers that I have I I just absolutely love to hear about. Jason Plato for me stands out as as one of my favourite drivers in the British Touring Cars. Um, for a number of reasons, he is. I, I met him um when it was that that whole first year that I was at Not Kill. Um, I was still doing the whole Camber Mag thing, and I'd actually gotten up the bottle to go up and ask drivers if I could interview him. And Jason actually agreed via Twitter um, to, to to have a chat with me, went up and we, we had a uh, chat about things. And he is the most un uh, misunderstood driver, I think, on the entire BTCC grid. The fact that he's still out there at, 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 at a considerably elderly age compared to everyone else out there on the grid shows exactly how much hard work that he has put in over the past 20 years or so um in in the race and he is an absolutely astute businessman he is one of the leading people that i think in terms of uh, sponsorship and marketing he knows exactly how the game is played and he knows how to play it so this whole um pantomime villain disguise that he, he took up about maybe say 10 15 years ago 
up until about 10 years ago. That was a, a, an amazing sort of marketing vision that he had because he knew it would get attention. He knew it would mm -hmm. get headlines and he knew it would get the sponsor's attention as well. Um, also, I think he's a bloody good driver. Um, another lad that I, in the touring cars that I've got a lot of time for, and I do have a little bit of a fanboy for, is Rory Butcher. Um, because Rory actually used to work with me in the office at Knock Hill. And then he, he was uh, he always brought out that bit of me that I always kind of dreamed of doing. So like he was away doing the European Le Mans series, racing in the Ferrari. And yes, he'd come I remember back, that. And he'd come back and tell us, and he was so nonchalant about it. He's like, yeah, you know, I, I was out there. It was it was enjoyable. It was it was fine. And then he had all the news about going to touring cars, and he would he would tell us what he could. Um, and then I'd work out the rest. I am I am an amazing Twitter detective, by the way. If you ever if you ever want to work anything out, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, about who's going to a team, um, look on social media because they are they really don't have their game together. You can usually work out by the last people that a, a brand follows, and that's that's usually who gets brought in um, to them. So anyway, that's that's by the by. So I figured out who he was going with. Um, about three weeks before it was made public and it didn't say anything. I was absolutely right. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, there we go. Uh, but Rory is like, he is the nicest person you could ever want to meet. Very, very understated. Uh, a wonderful family man and uh, just a ridiculously good driver behind the wheel. Um, other than that, I, I don't tend to have favourites. Um, I just enjoy... Um, watching all of the uh, the action out on track and probably because i enjoy watching so many different series it's kind of difficult alex to actually have a uh, you know a, a favorite driver okay well that leads me on to my next question whenever you've been waiting to see if you can grab a picture or an autograph is there any particular racing driver that you've been starstruck by Oh, that's a that's a good one. Um, yeah, Fabrizio Giovinardi um, oh. from the from the touring car days. Now, yes. uh, they did uh, an event up at Knock Hill, the Super Tourers, and Fabrizio was actually on the the uh, the grid for that. And yeah, that was that was amazing, amazing stuff. Um, and Gab Gabriele Tarquini as well. He was another one that i i had the, uh, the the very good fortune of of bumping into and actually i've got one of the photos here of me uh interviewing him on the grids with him all all set up that was a, a bit of a a really weird moment in terms of uh drivers that are sort of fanboy over now not so much um mm -hmm. back in the day yes there was but nowadays not not really so much but that might change also you know, I haven't been to a lot of races in the uh, the past 24 hours. That will change this year when I go to the Nürburgring 24 and I turn into uh, like a little eight-year-old again and I'm, I'm all yeah. excited. But yeah, it's... Um, I will... One driver I will have to get an autograph from is another uh, commentator that I've worked with many times and I'll probably see actually at Nürburgring, uh, very own Laura Luft. Um, I'll have to get a wee selfie and a yes. wee autograph from her Laura as well. Luft, yep. German yep. commentator that does a fantastic job on the Simgrids More Female Races by Thrustmaster Rockets. Hopefully there's going to be another season of that. That was actually a series that I ended up partnering with you on the very first round at Zolder and we were commentating on Sarah Moore and I unfortunately put the commentator's curse on her because she was doing <laughs> ever so well. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, Laura Luft is also hopefully uh, I will be contacting these particular commentators. There are quite a few high profile people within not just sim racing, but also real life who people do actually know of that I am getting in contact with. And I've got some pretty good guests lined up. You're going to have to wait and see on that one for episode six is uh, episodes six and onwards. Um, OK, let's talk about. Um, some funny moments with regards to real life racing. Now, I mentioned earlier the Nankang BRSCC City Car Cup with your beautifully yellow and uh, black Camber Media Racing Peugeot 107. I kept on calling it a Citroen C1 before you instantly corrected me the first few <laughs> times before I got it right. Um, it's very difficult from a budgetary and life lifestyle aspect. I still remember when I was I think I was conversing with you and I think you and Gail were driving down to Snetterson. You ended up grabbing some sleep in the car. I mean, that just goes to show the limit, the lengths of which people will go to in order to get to a racetrack because the car was on a trailer. You just decided, yeah, we, yeah we're just going to host, you know, hock it down there. And yeah, if we don't get to a hotel in time, we'll just keep in the car. And, and, and that just goes to show that racing in real life is very, very different to uh, being in 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 sim racing because sim racing you can race every day if you wanted to. It, absolutely, and the thing is, is if I want to go in a sim race, I've literally got my rig just right here. But real life racing, it, there's so much that you have to sacrifice to uh, to to get yourself on the grids. And it, with that story about going down to Snetterton, yeah, that is a hundred percent the case. And the thing is, is that unlike a lot of other teams on the uh, the grid. I was literally, uh, you know, a, a, a small, small team, literally a one-man band. It was myself, it was my partner, Gail, and it was Trevor from Eco Solutions who did all of the logistics, all of the transport of the uh, the vehicle and was my only real mechanical help um, in terms of the uh, the race weekend. So it was a very, very small, uh, very small outfit. Um, and we, we just had to do the, uh, the best that we could. And it was... If I was going to do it again, I would get a much bigger team around me, and I'm incredibly grateful for what I did have. But the problem is, is that the the strain that it puts on them is absolutely unfair. Um, it's it, it's very selfish for me because all I do is turn up, get myself flustered about how much still needs to be done, and then go out and and drive the car. Um, but for them, they've got to to kind of sacrifice a heck of a lot. They don't just sacrifice the weekend; it's the the couple of days before and mm. afterwards uh, that it takes to to recover as well. But going on about about funny moments as well, there was plenty of them through this this season. Not just this season, my first real life outing as well at the. Uh, uh, the District of Parts uh, Citroen C124 hours of Silverstone. That was such an exciting experience for me. That's where it all started because it was a team event. And if I'm being completely honest um, about my experience with real life motorsport, that's where my heart lies. That's why this the, the uh, Peugeot 107 is going up for sale because I've done a season of sprint racing and it's just not for me. I, I really prefer the team effort of, of endurance racing. It's it's where my heart lies in that. But I mean, yeah, you, you went on earlier about that that moment through Maggots and Beckett's, and uh, you know, I, I'll I'll actually give you the video so you can you can show what happened. But it's literally just a little bit of, uh, too wide on the grass and the car spins round. It's not a big deal. It happens. It's going to happen to everyone um, in a race and during yeah. during their first race certainly. But it was because it was at nine o'clock at night. It was pitch black. 
um, and it's my very first race, and suddenly I have a swarm of 20 angry little one-liter engines, just the headlights coming swarming towards me, and there's a picture, actually, because it was a, a one of those dash cams that has a front camera and a rear camera, and all you see is my eyes just absolutely out on stocks at the sight of all these, uh, quite a few profanities as well. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, yes. that's probably probably one of my, my funniest moments. The other funniest moment that I've I've mentioned a couple of times on stream is the fact I managed to put it into the gravel trap under a safety car. I, I don't know how that happened, but I was going through Luffield, um, and I I went onto the curb, but the car just spun round. Um, I, I was doing like thirty miles an hour, so I was very confused and also rather embarrassed because the car's <laughs> yeah. Well, um, we'll, we'll, we'll leave that one well alone, yeah. then, shall we? Um, so at the end of this, you'll probably see the video itself and we'll make sure that all the relevant P's and Q's are bleeped out uh, if they get hurt. Um, <laughs> It'd be uh, easier yeah. leaving it silent. <laughs> <laughs> probably better off just with some ambient music, probably like an yeah. elevator music or something like that. Who or knows? that on hold music, yeah, just as I'm spinning around. Yeah, yeah like... Dip. <laughs> that kind of sort of dodgy like 70s 80s waiting tune that used to be in elevators um next up is uh who would you consider as your commentary idols which commentators stand out to you in particular obviously you've mentioned the late great murray walker you've mentioned charlie cox there as well is there anyone else that really sort of um has ticked that box you think you know what? I really enjoy their style. There's probably so many of them, aren't there? It's like picking, so it's like picking many, teeth. So many. Um, obviously, one of my my idols, and I, I've never actually said this to him because I don't want his ego getting inflated anymore. <laughs> um, is my my good buddy Duncan Vincent? Um, that I more more the development that he's done over the past couple of years and the the the, the way that he's growing. I'm I'm so proud of him. I'm I'm I feel like you know really really watching him and watching what he does and the way that he's grown in, in his career and stuff like that as well uh, over the past couple of years now, uh, becoming the voice of, of as you said, uh, WC, BSB, uh, doing rallies up here in Scotland as well. I mean, he is he is one of the brightest stars that we have in commentary um, up here in Scotland. Uh, also, Peter Mackay doing a, a wonderful job the thing is is i never actually got the chance to work with peter so we, yeah. we've kind of sort of crossed paths so peter came on just as i was leaving knock hill so unfortunately never had but i mean he gets he gets the chance to work with one of my absolute idols uh and you know the fact that he gets to work with radio lamon and you know when you go to say a dry uh, somebody's name and you completely forget about it i cannot believe i've just had that blank radio lamon um john hindhaw yeah, Hind Hindi. Yes, Hindi. sorry. Uh, Graham John, Goodwin's I'm on so there. Sorry if... Yeah, how hey, can look. you do that? So uh, yeah, a bit, this, big, this, this high is... pressure format. That's what they say. But the thing is, is that it means that at least there is some format because the first two. I mean, I'll, I'll be completely honest with you, David. The the conversation that I had with Mr. King Cody at Chris Buxton. We had so many deviations off track. It was like, <laughs> I, I think I was going to get a uh, an automated track cut penalty for a drive-through on a set of Corso Competizione at some point. Um, but it was, you know, it's like one of the longest yeah. episodes so far. Um, but yeah, like you say, Hindi, uh, you know, yeah, so, likes so of... So Hindi, you've got Johnny Palmer on there. You've got the legend that is Mr. Paul Truswell. You've got Bruce yeah. Jones, Joe Bradley, Shay Adam, who is one of who is another person is so gifted. And I've heard her on comms with Hindi on MX5 racing. She's absolutely brilliant. That girl. 
it's funny you say that. I was watching that last night, the finish up, because I, I missed it um, last weekend because obviously I was away uh, on holiday. But I was watching the finish to that race, and if ever you wanted to, to like see excitement and drama, you just need to watch the MX5s. They're guaranteed to give you heart failure. And I could hear Shay almost like <gasps> the big inhalation of breath during the, uh, the finish of that race. But yeah, for, for me, for commentary goals, I absolutely idolize Hindi. Um, Eve is, is such a, uh, Eve Hewitt. Uh, such a wonderful, wonderful person as well, um, yeah. involved massively behind the scenes there. So that is like commentary goals to be involved. Radio Le Mans, um, very jealous of Peter and uh, very, very fortunate to, to be there. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, commentary wise, look, we've got so many great, great commentators right now. David Addison as well, the voice of the BTCC. And for me, the voice of GT racing as yes. well. Um and you know it, it, it's such a wonderful partnership that they've got going on with the uh, the, uh, the the GT Challenge that, that goes on through Europe and through the the world as well. You, you mentioned Murray Walker. I I idolised him not so much as a as a commentator. Um, and and this is going to be really controversial here. So I be, be as controversial as you like. I don't think Murray Walker was a great commentator in terms of telling you what was happening on track i think murray walker was one of the greatest storytellers murray walker could tell a story with his voice with yeah. the inflection um with the tone of his voice and he could immediately immediately tell you that something dramatic had happened by the voice change by that screaming by that that passion that came across by that knowledge and I think the fact that you know you put him with uh, Murray, uh, sorry, with Martin Brundle, or you put him with James Hunt, and those are the perfect combination because you've got the knowledge and you've got yeah. the storytelling all in one bundle there. So that yeah, that that's why I love Murray so much, and I think I've taken so much from that in terms of the the intonation and how important that is to to use that to tell the story and to tell how important it is to to sort of bring the lows and bring the highs as well um other i mean there's so many other commentators out there that i i absolutely look up to and it would take pretty much an entire episode for me to to get through them but those are some of the the big ones for me at this at this point in time Right, okay. Penultimate question here on Commentator's Corner for episode five. Your favourite personal moments on something that you have commentated on? Are there a couple that particularly stand out? Um, the, the one that stands out recently is a fun throwaway event that I did a couple of weeks ago on iRacing for Coach Dave Academy. Um, and it was a race in the GT3s. Uh, and it was it was a, a you know a really entertaining race at Sebring, and it all came down the the gap was very close between first and second all through the race. It went up to about eight seconds, but just as as the time was going on towards the final fifteen minutes, that gap was coming down at a rate of knots. The final lap they were split by six tenths of a second, and it was actually Maximilian Walmouth right on the inside at Sunset mm -hmm. Bend. He sent it. I have never. I've never experienced as a commentator like that whole, that rush that I would get as a spectator, that whole like, oh my God. Um, and I usually pride myself on be, being able to, to stay in control 
Um, but it was that bad. I actually had to go and buy my neighbor um, some chocolates as an apology because this was at like 10 o'clock at night and I am forced 10 screaming at the top of my lungs. Such was the the just the the, the excitement of what I've I've seen. Um, so that that's probably one of the the most memorable moments that I've commentated on um, in in memory. The other one from real life would probably be Caterham's at Knock Hill. That was such a special moment because there is no experience like them. The Porsche Career Cup are probably as exciting but the caterums are on another level just seeing them three wide going into corners that you've only ever seen cars stupidly go too wide into and they're just like they all survive and they're all off the caterums that's probably the most intense moment that i've had uh in commentary in real life as well it's a bit like when i was working alongside scott woodwist for the brscc um meeting at Snet at Donington Park and we saw three four abreast in caterums into of all places in the Melbourne hairpin and believe you me when I said that the after effect was that two car the two cars on the inside weren't exactly 100% pristine after what happened <laughs> and that's it and the, that's the sort of racing that is encouraged by you know uh, the by Simon at uh, at Caterham Cars and the rest of the field it's such a, a a wonderful little ecosystem as well not getting too much into it but the fact that they, they start off with the academy and then they go all the way through the different classes that are there and mm. come out proper fully fledged racing drivers at the end of it there's a lot of money involved in it but I'd argue that the service and the the attention to detail that they get from those championships, absolutely worth every penny of it. Right. Now down to the final question here on Commentator's Corner Episode 5. Now, this we brought in with the previous guest at one, Kieran McGinley. Now, David, if you had no budget restrictions, no glass ceiling to worry about, if you had a choice of a car that you would drive around a particular circuit, what would you choose on the car and the circuit? And give us a little bit of detail. I know it's going to be a tricky one, but I'm sure there's something. I had the answer already. As soon as those first three words left your mouth, I already knew what I was about to say for this this question. Okay. Um, it would have to be the uh, the Mercedes AMG SLS GT3 at uh, Nurburgring during the Nordschleife 24 hours. Oh. There you go. Simple as that. Simple answer. It's It's... <laughs> just the the absolute pinnacle for me for for endurance racing it's uh it's one of those things that it will happen it's you know how you have like life goals and life ambitions like that is that is one of those things that will be happening i don't care if i'm 72 years old and i've had to rob a (laughs) bank to make it happen but it's gonna happen i will be behind the wheel and i will be taken to the grids and that is that is there Nürburgring is is one of those for me one of those hallowed tracks that I've not been to yet I've not driven around yet and mm-hmm. it just it's it's the ultimate in in tests for drivers I I've driven now virtually more laps I think of the Nürburgring the uh, the Nordschleife of any track that I've ever taken part in in sim racing or in real life including that 24 hours at uh, at Silverstone yeah I'm um, so I I feel like I know every single corner to the back of my hands and the GT3s I, I 
I probably would if I was, you know, given the option, I would probably prefer to do a different car now. But that has always been like every year I've taken part in the Nurburgring 24 on iRacing. That's been my car of choice because it's it's a tradition now. Every time I do it in uh, an endurance race on a, another platform, it's in the Merc because that's my car. Um, it's a horrible car now to drive now compared to the likes <laughs> of the uh, the BMW M4. Uh, you've got much yeah. more refined options, but it's now it's a habit. It's a tradition. It's it's now almost a meta almost a meme so yeah that is my car that i would take and that's my uh that that's the track slash race that i would be in okay well um i always add a little bit of a caveat to this because i will also respond in kind now bearing in mind that the circuit that david has just mentioned is a is on the bucket list of any motorsport commentators uh opportunity to work at uh, Chaz Draycott you lucky bugger you've already had the opportunity to to commentate <laughs> on that event um but I would say the same circuit but I'm going to go with an old stalwart that hits the grid every single year and it's a car that is loved by the fans all 250 to 300,000 of them despite their allegiances to the three-pointed star the four rings the propeller of BMW I'm going to go with the good old Opal Manta GT. Man, what a lad, what a lad. I, I, I just don't have the, uh, the, the manliness or the testicular <laughs> fortitude to cope with a car <laughs> well, like that. Is. I also, well, not, not just that. I mean, I also don't have the, uh, the shoulders to weight the burden if I actually do wreck that car, <laughs> uh, which would be very likely. I mean, but yeah, look, the, the, the Opel Manta is, it, it, it is Nurburgring, isn't it? It, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be the Nord Life Twenty Four Hours, although. Although I think we are starting to see a, a new star as of uh, of last year, because yeah, uh, that that's um, I think that's we're definitely going to see a new meta emerging from that one. Definitely. Well, David, thank you very much for being a part of Commentators Corner for episode five, buddy. I, listen, it's been my absolute pleasure, Alex. As always, it's a a privilege working alongside you, and it's it's fantastic that we get the opportunity to have this little uh, fireside chat, as it were. Indeed. Don't forget you can follow David's social medias, not just Roland on the Ropes on Twitter, but also Canva Media. All the links are in the description down in the description down below. Thank you very much for tuning in for episode five of Commentators Corner. Stay tuned for episode six. Until then, drive fast, stay safe, and see you very soon. Goodbye. <laughs>